0: Exodus chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 11. Please hear God's word. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Ruuel, he said, how is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, an Egyptian delivered us let's pray our father in christ's name we come we thank you for your word we thank you for for jesus we thank you for the gospel we thank you for this particular passage and father we we pray in christ's name that we would hear uh, your word today that our hearts would be changed our lives would be transformed uh, because of the work of your spirit because of the Power of your word. Help me, Father, to speak your truth in love. Make your appeal through me that what I say would be what you have said, and it would be pleasing to you, glorifying to you, and it would edify your people and bless those who hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to speak with you about Moses' mediation. Have you ever seen suffering, injustice, that stirred you so much and made you so indignant that you actually went too far when you tried to help? It's kind of what Moses is Going through here, it can get messy sometimes when you intervene to deal with injustice. Murder is is messy. But killing someone, especially your enemy, does make a statement. You know, gangs often use this as an initiation rite. You can't kill an enemy, and it kind of sets your allegiances, proves that you're a part of of the clan, because killing someone makes a statement. When Moses went out, the word went out here, he went out, is the same word that's used everywhere in the book of Exodus for going out of Egypt. God bringing out his people. And by Moses' action in this passage, he's demonstrating that he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, Moses is an interesting name in in Egypt, Egyptian etymology. It's it's often a, a name that means son of, like Thut Moses means son of Thut. An-Moses means son of An. But Moses doesn't have a preface. It's just a son of. Got to wait to figure it out, whose son he is. But by this action, Moses demonstrates that he's not going to put his adopted mother's name on the front of his name. He's not going to give Egypt a name. He's been set apart to give someone else a name. He's been set apart to make the name of God famous. Moses, by this action, demonstrates that he would rather suffer mistreatment, as the writer of Hebrews says, with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Notice what it says that Moses, when he had grown up, he's he's 40 at this time, it says in Acts chapter 7. He was 40 on this day when he went out. And his he went out specifically to, to look out on his people and their burdens. And that looking on his people is a not just going for information, but actually sympathy. He went out because his heart was moved by the struggle, by the burdens that his people were dealing with. And Moses reacted in passion when he saw this Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. It says his people twice, because Moses knew who his people were. He grew up in the courts of Egypt. He... He was educated in all of the finery of the Egyptian academia. academia, and, But Moses knew who his real people were. That time spent with his mother, when she was caring for him, I'm quite sure that she was not quiet about her care. I'm sure she was telling him all about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and what God had done in, in the past for his people. And it rested in his heart and found a dwelling place inside of him. And Moses, by going out and by acting the way he acted, he demonstrated that he counted, as it says in the book of Hebrews, he counted the reproach of Christ of greater value than all the treasures and pleasures of Egypt. He would rather get to know the true God than to spend time in Egypt. Enjoying sin for a season. You know, Paul said at one point, and it's interesting to note how Paul and Moses, probably two of the educated, most educated people in the Old and the New Testament, respectively. Moses was educated to the hilt, and Paul was set at the feet of Gamaliel, and he, he was probably the most educated person you'd find in the New Testament. And Paul, if you recall, in the book of Philippians, he's the one who left it all, didn't he? Paul said, I I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, of Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But then he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. You see, the same kind of mindset, the same type of attitude With respect to Moses, he gave it all up. He counted it a loss. He would rather know the true God. Suppose there's application in there for us. How much are we willing to lose, to side in the sufferings of God's people in order to know Christ more deeply? How much are we willing to give up and And all of the trinkets that we count precious, how willing are we to count them rubbish? Old King James said, dung, that I might know Christ, that we might know Christ. God doesn't talk a whole lot. God doesn't say a whole lot in the Bible about whether Moses was right or wrong in his action. It's complicated, you know or is it? Moses' actions after the fact shout guilty. He goes out the next day, having buried the evidence, and then he gets fingered, he gets exposed, he gets pointed out, and he gets scared. And then when Pharaoh finds out and tries to make him deal with the consequences of his crime he runs away he runs away because murder is wrong in this action he he failed to depend on god and pray to god and seek god and seek to reason moses demonstrates a little bit later in this passage that he's able to disarm people without fatalities But the heat of the moment, the passion of the moment got to him. But the Bible says something interesting in the book of Acts. It says that that he thought that the people of Israel would know that, that God was giving salvation through his hand. But they didn't understand that. He goes out the next day and he sees two of his brothers struggling together and he speaks to the person in the wrong and the person in the wrong rejects him. Who made you a prince and a judge over us? You are going to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian? You know, it's often funny, it's peculiar how suffering people sometimes hate the people who love the people who, who hate him and hate the people who try to love them. They reject Moses. They turn away from him. They don't want anything to do with him. He was rejected, just like somebody else we know, by his own brothers. He was rejected because Moses was confronting them with their sin. He told the man in the wrong, why do you beat your, strike your companions? And so Moses runs away. His intentions were good, but his testimony was bad. And Moses proves uh, to be afraid. As it says in the Bible, he wasn't afraid of the king so much as he was afraid of the situation. He didn't know what to do. Self-reliance often leads us in a messy situation. Killing your enemy makes a statement, and Moses expected it to make a statement to his brothers that he was on their side, that he was loyal to Israel, but they didn't take it that way. Moses tried to reconcile these, these men, the Bible says in the book of Acts. He was just trying to bring them together, make them enjoy unity brotherly kindness, but it didn't work. His plan backfired. The book of Acts actually said the man pushed him aside. He thrust him aside and said, who made you judge and who made you prince over us? You know, killing your enemies makes a statement, but, but dying for them makes a greater statement. Dying for your enemies makes the greatest statement of all. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus saw us suffering, burdened in our sin, in our difficulties, in our hardships, even though we were against Him, even though we thrusted Jesus aside, even though we didn't want anything to do with Jesus, Jesus died for His enemies. He died for us. He gave up His life. And oh, what a statement that makes. He died for us so that that he might work in our lives to make us the type of people he created us to be. You know, when Moses finally makes it to Midian, he sits down by a well and he must have learned something on his journey in the wilderness. Because the same kind of situation takes place. These, these, these women come to the well and, and the shepherds drive them away, but Moses stands up and saves the day. And he does something that's, that's somewhat unheard of for a man to do. He stoops and he waters the flocks of these, these women Men just don't do that in this type of culture. That's not their job. That's not their M.O. That's not how they operate. But Moses demonstrates some kind of character throughout this whole whole passage. A character of a person who hates injustice. A person who wants to liberate those who are down, who's for the underdog. Who, Who seeks to cover these women when they're being mistreated by these these shepherds. What a name, shepherds. What kind of shepherds are these that drive women away? But Moses demonstrates that shepherding quality of defending and protecting and then serving and stooping and doing menial tasks for the good of others. They're so excited, they they leave him there and they run home to their dad and their dad says, what's wrong with you girls? (laughs) You know, why'd you leave him? The Hebrew is, is, is more intense. It says, why'd you abandon the man by the well? So they go get him, and Moses is content to dwell there. He even gets married and has a child. Now, what, is it? what does it say to us? Well, it says that we need a Redeemer, we need a better mediator. Moses himself needed a better mediator. He needed Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who can look at a difficult situation, a hard situation, a situation of injustice and hurt and difficulty and bondage. And Jesus is, is more like this Hebrew that's getting struck down by the Egyptians. Jesus is the one who gives up His life. And He gives it up not only for His brothers, but He gives it up for His enemies. He gives it up for our sin and for our our brokenness and our shame and our hardship and our sufferings. He lays His life down for us. He doesn't run away from the consequences of our sin but he exposes himself to death. He exposes himself to the wrath of God. He he exposes himself to to the hard hand of God on the cross. And he takes it for us so that we can be free, ungrateful though we might be. It's so interesting. You see, Israel, Moses' people, How ungrateful they are. How they reject the one God sent. It's just the same thing that happened with Jesus. But but the Midianites, they welcome Moses. They celebrate with him. They give to him. And it's so interesting, so often in Scripture, it's the ones you don't expect that actually give you the example we need to have. That what kind of response are we supposed to give to Jesus who gave it all for us? Who stooped and served in a a very menial way, but in a very majestic way, so that we might be welcomed by God. That we might be brought into His family. And that's, that's kind of what happens with Moses. He's brought into The Midianite family. He's accepted. He's welcomed. He's celebrated. And commitments are made. He gets married and fruit comes from that that marriage. That's what Jesus wants from you and me. He wants us to look at the cross in light of our sin, in light of how we treated Him, And He wants commitments to be made to Him. And fruit born from that kind of commitment. So that we now can, in this world, look at injustices done. Look at places where people are broken and hurting. And not try to intervene in a self-reliant way but to cry out to the Redeemer, to cry out to the the one mediator between God and man, to cry out to the one person who can make the wrong right, to depend on the Lord Jesus. And then in light of His beautiful sacrifice and His powerful resurrection, to cry out for the Spirit to fill us, the Spirit who glorifies Christ to fill our hearts, as we enter into the fray of injustice with with wisdom and with prayer and the power of the Gospel, and see the Spirit of God and the Word of God work through us as we make appeals to people who are being dealt an unjust hand and people who are dealing an unjust hand, that we make appeals to oppressor and oppressed to come to Jesus, to bring the brokenness to Christ, to bring it to the foot of the cross and get washed in the blood of the Lamb, get clothed in the righteousness of Christ, get filled with the Spirit of the Lord, get changed, get renewed, get transformed and see the Gospel march on, see the Kingdom make its advance as the earth gets filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. That's what we need. We need a redeemer. We need a mediator, and God has given us one. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man. It's often said of Moses, the man, Moses, but it looks ahead to the man, Christ Jesus, who knows how to sympathize with our weaknesses, who's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of the living God. We have a high priest who who knows what we're going through. He can be touched by our suffering and we can come boldly to His throne of grace and we can receive mercy and find grace to help because we've got a high priest who's not only suffered, but we have one who's never sinned, who's never really been bit by the serpent never really been poisoned by Him. We have a Savior who intercedes for us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus with with loud cries, He prayed with great tears to the One, to His Father, who was able to save Him from death. And now that Father has become our Father. We can cry out to Him with tears when we see brokenness, when we see hardship. Because Jesus is the one who teaches opponents to lay down their weapons, embrace, and study war no more. But come together. Jesus is the the master of reconciliation. He takes hardened people like Moses. He takes hardened people like Saul of Tarsus. He takes hardened people like me and you. And He breaks us at Calvary. And He shows us what what real justice and mercy coming together look like. That He sacrificed Himself and mercy flowed from Calvary. And the heavy hand of God moved away from us and struck his son. And then God looked over us and said, my sons, my daughters, your family, now you're in. And because you're in, you've got power now, the power of the gospel, to move the hearts of men and women away from taking matters in their own hands, relying on themselves, and looking to the only one who can bring peace and liberty. Let's pray. Our Father, in Christ's name, we come. We thank you for Jesus, the great Redeemer. We thank you for Jesus, the great Deliverer. We thank you for Jesus, the great Mediator, whose mediation wasn't a mess, but whose mediation was majestic. He actually became a mess, and that's part of the majesty that we get drawn into your family when we don't deserve to be here. We deserve to be struck down and buried in the sand. But thank you, Father, for Jesus who was struck down and buried and then raised again so we could be family. We bless your name, Father.